This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh, Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The trade deadline has come and gone, but remember, friends, the real treasure is the trades we made along the way. I want to give a special... I want to give a special shout out to the Chase Down stream team joining us live on YouTube. For anyone listening right now that wants to take part in future live broadcasts, make sure you subscribe to the Cleveland Cavaliers official YouTube channel and uh, you'll get the notifications. We'll also be tweeting out schedules on our individual accounts, which are in the descriptions below. Uh, We have a lot to talk about today. I'm really excited. And with me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. It was a fun deadline. A lot of reported news uh, kind of hitting the wires and, and kind of like these little bursts. It was just these huge jumps of activity followed by absolute dead silence. Um, some trades we thought were going to happen, some that we had no clue were coming. And I mean, I thought it was a really fun deadline overall. It was a fun deadline. It wasn't as fun uh, from a Cavs perspective. Uh, I, I thought the JaVel McGee news uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting uh, that there is an agreement between the Cavs and the Denver Nuggets uh, for JaVale McGee to go to the Nuggets in exchange for Isaiah Hardenstein, uh, as well as two second round picks. Obviously, uh, that's still pending physicals. We learned with Isaiah Thomas that you should never count a trade completed until it's actually completed. But uh, I, I thought that that was an interesting uh, start to the day. I certainly didn't expect two second round picks for him. I maybe expected two second round picks for their bigs in total uh, with McGee and Drummond, uh, but not him <laughs> alone. Um, but after that, obviously, it was a little disappointing to see that Andre Drummond, uh, the Cavs were unable to find a deal where it benefited them in the long term, uh, where they weren't taking back um, salary that, that could kind of hurt some of their team building. Um, so it, it's disappointing to see that saga come to an end, especially when you kind of thought coming into this year that as an expiring contract, Drummond would have a lot of value. It appears that that was just not the case. No, and, you know, ultimately, the Drummond thing is fascinating. I I went off on the last podcast I was on, thank you very much, uh, to Kelsey for covering for me on Tuesday, 
But in the last part, I kind of like lost my mind. I'm like, what is the league doing? And, you know, I still think that I think he, you know, the report is that the team's going to buy him out or mm-hmm. at least they're beginning the negotiations to buy him out. And, you know, I very, very strongly feel he is the best player in NBA history to receive a buyout, especially it's not like the, even a Blake Griffin thing where it's like years on the term. So it's like, you know, they're just trying to get out. Like, like there's not, it, it, this is pretty unprecedented that you wouldn't be able to find any kind of package for someone like this. And, you know, I think had the Jared Allen trade not happened, we probably aren't even having this conversation. It's like, yeah, they'll try to trade him, but they're happy to have him for the rest of the year. But the Jared Allen trade kind of set this this boulder rolled it, rolling down the hill, and they were kind of left kind of with their hands in in the air, waiting for you know waiting for something, and it just didn't come. And I you know I I would hope I would imagine I wouldn't hope, but I would imagine that Andre's pride is feeling a little wounded that no one thought he was worth at least a second round pick, which by all reports was the the asking price no bad money in a in a second round pick you know uh, the the Cody Zellers of the world um and no one no one deemed uh it suitable i i think the league has vastly overreacted to perceived empty stats the cavs were better on the floor uh with him than without him this year i think that's really important to note i think that whoever he ends up helping uh whoever he ends up signing with he'll help a lot especially if he signs for the freaking minimum and I'll tell you this much, I am not super interested in hearing anyone complain if Andre Drummond swings a title because, you know, all 30 teams had a chance to go get this guy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think your observation about Jared Allen is a smart one because um, I, I think, one, his presence obviously kind of accelerated this timeline, right, where you kind of expected uh, that maybe Andre Drummond would have a little bit more run last season. Uh, I know when the Jared Allen trade initially went through, uh, Chris Fedor had reported that Allen was someone that they had interest in, that that they w- were p- potentially going to pursue him as a restricted free agent in the summer. And that just didn't work out. Like it, what ended up happening was Jared Allen became available sooner than they anticipated. They didn't go have to go after him as a restricted free agent. The team, uh, the teams around the league understood now that Allen's there, that is their clear center of the future. That that's who they're going to be going with. And as a result of that, there just wasn't as much of an appetite to trade for Andre Drummond because you're trading from maybe a disadvantaged position. And it actually ties into something that you brought up today on Twitter uh, about Sam Presti and all the picks that they've accumulated. When teams understand what you have, they're going to ask for a little more. Like teams, I- instead of asking for two firsts from Presti, it's going to be four or five or, or more. Uh, and, and the same thing I think happened here. Now, I, I think it is important to note as well that Zach Lowe did mention that there were offers on the table uh, when it came to Andre Drummond. Uh, but a lot of those deals, if they wanted to get an additional pick, uh, would have salary coming back to the Cavs. And I think now that you have four core pieces that you know are 100% part of your young core, you have Larry Nance Jr., who survived the deadline, as we kind of expected. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> he, he tweeted the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, gift in Wolf of Wall Street, which uh, brought warmth to my heart. Um, but now that you have those guys, the goal now should be building around them. Uh, you anticipate getting another lottery pick in the mix no matter what. Uh, some of the teams in the East got stronger. I think it'll be tough to make the playoffs, maybe the play-ins, but not the the playoffs themselves. So you're likely getting another lottery pick. You want to have flexibility. This is when team building starts to come into effect 
And for that reason, that's why I'm a little more comfortable with this conclusion to the Drummond saga than I would have been if you told me this is the way it was going to play out at the start of the season. Yeah, and I think maybe this was your point. I can't remember. I'm going to give you credit anyway. You had said that the Cavs are no longer, Kobe Altman is no longer in a position where he can make moves that uh, that regardless of the on-court impact of them and of the construction of the rosters, you can't just keep, they are moving uh, ever so subtly out of the asset acquisition mode. Sure, they're still going to buy picks when they can. They're still going to operate in the margins, just like they did with JaVale, where they basically bought half of a season of a good center for the price of three second-round picks, which is really, really shrewd asset management. But they're not going to take on a toxic contract, especially heading into this summer, which is probably the last one they have for a little while to go drop some money. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Now, one thing I want to get your take on, now that we have the beginning, middle, and presumably the end that Drummond is going to go with the bio, do you think that the trade for Andre Drummond was a mistake by the Cavs? I think in hindsight, you could probably say that, yes, it was. I I think that the logic was sound, Um, you know, but this is a results league, and the the results uh, were a net value loss. I mean, the Cavs got... Some stretch of competent on-court play, which you cannot, cannot, cannot deny. That's the whole point, by the way. But, you know, ultimately, I think when you look at someone like Drummond, you know, the, the market changed on us. The, the, the sand shifted under our feet. And a player who we thought didn't have a market because of his contract, because of that, that you're going to have to pay him in the next season. The Cavs basically, what they were betting was, because I don't think at any point they really, really felt highly committed to him to the point where they were going to throw the kind of money he wanted to to stick around after the season. But I think their calculus was, we don't think people want to pay, commit for one and a half seasons of Drummond, but as an expiring, a, a half season of Drummond at the next deadline, we're going to be able to flip for some positive assets. And the price is so low that we're willing to make that bet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, frankly, that's just not how it played out. And, but I, I do I think the bet was solid? Yes. But, you know, you can't say it was a success if it ends in a buyout. Yeah, I I would say that the experiment didn't necessarily work out. I I don't know if the trade was a mistake. Now, part of why I advocated last season for trading for Drummond before that happened um, was because I wanted to see how the guards would play off of a center like that. Um, Drummond is a good passer for a big. He's someone that could help lighten the load and make things more manageable, get them into competitive games, which is valuable experience for these young guys. And I I think one of the things we saw was, one, it got cut short due to COVID. That was unfortunate. Things were starting to click a little bit last year. Then you had the start of the season where Drummond and Nance, that tandem, was the driving force of a lot of that the team's early season success. But as the year progressed and Sexton got a little, uh, continued to improve and Garland got a little more comfortable, we started to see that maybe having Drummond on the floor didn't fully maximize those guys. And after the Jared Allen trade, I, I think there's an argument to be made that Jared Allen is a better player than Andre Drummond at this point. But what's definitely clear is that Darius Garland and Colin Sexton play better off of Jared Allen than they do off of Andre Drummond. And- Especially Darius. Especially Darius, because he is a pick-and-roll point guard. It's become very, very clear that he's a pick-and-roll point guard. And Andre, it for all of his strengths, which I, you know you know me, I've actually been, I feel like, one of the more fervent Andre Drummond is good at basketball defenders. 
on twitter.com but like he's not a good role man right now no. especially not in a non-ideal setting he doesn't have a ton of lift as a finisher anymore um and you know the passing he can get tunnel vision so uh he just wasn't the best fit with garland and it's become increasingly clear that garland is the stir that straws the drink for this Cavs offense yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other things that you kind of factored into having Drummond on this team was the playmaking wasn't there yet. Like Garland was a surprisingly good passer uh, compared to who you thought you got when you drafted him, but he wasn't ready to run an offense. He wasn't assertive enough. Sexton wasn't a four and a half assist kind of guy. So you would think, okay, we need a center that can be an offensive hub that you can run some offense through. But as they progressed and, and Garland became uh, a very, very solid uh, floor general and, and someone that can run an offense, Sexton really improved a, as a secondary playmaker. You don't need that hub in the middle uh, that they're just throwing entry passes to. That doesn't accentuate what they bring offensively. So I do think there's actually a value in learning that, in learning, hey, these guys are better off being the primary guys, primary ball handlers in pick-and-roll situations. And Jared Allen is obviously a perfect big for that. But that knowledge that you gain from that experience, I think it informs the team-building decisions you make moving forward. You want to have a role big, a, a guy that understands his role. You want to have spacing around them so that they can effectively run a pick-and-roll. And as you look at the reported trade of Hardenstein coming in uh, from Denver, he's another guy that kind of fits that um, that description. Now, he's raw. He, he fouls a little too much. He's 22 years old. Not every 22-year-old center is Jared Allen. It's very unusual for someone to be that polished at that position at that age. But he, he's someone that brings a little bit of upside and fits the archetype of the type of center that they might want to have. And I, I think that that's the type of decision-making and team-building that's informed from this Andre Drummond experience. Yeah, and might I ask, the biggest thing Isaiah Hartenstein can do for this team is play backup center for a few minutes a game. Because <laughs> they, you know, that was one of the concerns I had with moving JaVale. As early on, I think we all thought JaVale was moving into that trade exception. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, you know, it doesn't seem like Andre is getting traded. Um, you know, you're not hearing a ton of buzz about the Cavs and any other deals. And then I was like, are we going to finish the second half of the season with a glaring hole at point guard and center off the bench. <laughs> and yeah, that was a real and, concern. And that was a big concern of mine. And, you know, I, I haven't watched enough Isaiah Hartenstein to know if he's going to be a good contributor or not. I'm not going to pretend to be a big a big expert on the guy. No, um, no, you know, I, I do I'm think gonna Denver out you. I'm was gonna smart. out you right now. I'm I'm gonna jump down your throat and out you because you were sitting here and some of this is where these teams are at. But you were lamenting That's exactly I was getting there, you jerk. You were lamenting in our Discord. No, I'm cutting off your defense before you even go to it. You were saying in our Discord that Denver needed to go out and get themselves a proven center, which I think JaVale McGee this is another one of those win win situations. I really like JaVale McGee for the Nuggets making that return there. But you were out here hating on my guy Hardenstein and the last Last time you hated on a player and, and said that they weren't going to make it, it was Darius Garland. And, and now he's the st st oh, straw that stirs the on. drink. So this is a good sign. You are, uh, that, this, is our, this is our YouTube debut, and you're going to spread these kind of this kind of lies and slander about me. First off, never said that about Darius. What I did say, and I will say this, is I said, I can't believe Denver is trying. It might roll into the postseason with Isaiah Hartenstein as their backup center, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think they were a hundred percent right to do 
to deal for JaVale. I think it was a, a great move for them. I love that they picked up Gordon. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think that if, if the Cavs were a playoff contender, I would not feel great uh, for this team uh, trying to go win a series, knowing they got to give Isaiah Hartenstein minutes. But luckily, that ain't this kind of team. And yeah, this team like, is play, is depending on a lot of young guys that are trying to find their way in the league. And, you know, I'm happy to see, you know, eight to 10 development minutes a game from him. And that's really all you need because Larry can play some backup five. Uh, Kevin, if we see him uh, anytime soon, can play a little backup five. Well, though. I, I think given that season, kind of saves, no, thank I, you. I, I think he saves them from playing those backup five minutes, yeah. which is important because neither of those guys want to play it. Um, I, I got some Hardenstein uh, facts for you here. Uh, oh, he has, me. He has more finals MVP than Steph Curry. He uh, won the 2019 G League finals MVP in his final season with the real uh, Grand Valley Rap uh, Vipers. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Houston's uh, Grand Valley Rapids. I, I, you, you know what? I, I was thinking Grand Rapids. This is what happens. Is that an when MLS you... team, though? They're, they're, you might not have been that off on that one. Well, Grand Grand Rapids is close to Winnipeg. I, I think it's in North Dakota. So that might be what's going on here. This is the kind of banner that people keep coming back to the pod for. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, North Dakota banner is what people are here for. Uh, but in his final season in the G League, he averaged 24.9 points per game, 14.8 assists, or sorry, 14.8 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.4 steals, and 1.1 blocks. As I mentioned before, he's a little foul prone. Uh, his two career starts, he averaged 18 points, 12 boards, and three and a half blocks. He is also a so guy you that, can expect that moving forward. Uh, of course, yeah, he's basically putting up Drummond numbers. So uh, may, maybe we just replaced him. Uh, he's also a guy that appears to know his limitations. He says his career goal is to be the best backup center in the league. Carter, I can't tell you how much I love to hear that. <laughs> that is the most endearing thing. That's like I have no, I have no notions that I might start someday. I'm just gonna kind of stay in my lane. Dude, it's so relatable because it's like me with this podcast. This is my goal. I want to make this podcast great. I don't expect to be on TV. I don't want to be on TV. This is my lane, and I am going to craft my role, and I'm going to stick in this position, and I'm going to do a damn good job with it. That, that I, I like that mindset. I the, the funny thing with Hardenstein, obviously, you're going to deal with a lot of rookie mistakes. He's going to be foul prone. He, he's going to not always understand the coverage. He's not somebody that can switch. So you're going to be playing him and drop, which, which is fine, which is fine. And it also meshes with a lot of what the Cavs run defensively, which, which is OK. You, you live with those fouls because Jared Allen is going to be getting the majority of those minutes. So you don't worry about that too much. But. Like as much as I love JaVale McGee and he is a better player, uh, I, I think that that is very clear. I don't know how much this actually impacts the win loss total for this team. The the wins or losses have more to do with how well the young guys are playing than the backup center minutes. And getting those developmental minutes, yeah, you're going to have mistakes, but JaVale McGee would make a couple crazy decisions as well. Um, I, I, I think that given his understanding of what his role is going to be, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see those minutes being productive. Like, I, I think it's going to be better than like the Ante Zizic experiment, as an example. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about backup fives. Like, and this is what I got roasted for in our Discord for saying that Hartenstein was a problem in Denver is like, it's pretty, pretty, I, th I think the word is fungible. That's something I'll hear on a, like a dunked on podcast or something like that, like a fungible position. Like, you can just kind of, is slot in people and you're not going to die on that yeah. hill 
I'm making up a word. That's probably not the right usage of it, whatever. Um, you know, I think that it, it's the kind of position that rarely kills you. You're happy to get anything good out of it. Um, mm-hmm. it the Cavs don't need to play uh, him in every matchup, and it'll be nice to have a new face. And, you know, I think ultimately, uh, and I know we should probably talk about some other players who weren't dealt because there were a lot of names that were all over the market um, that didn't end up getting moved. But it is nice to finally have a degree of finality with what this roster is going to be for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, getting those second round picks is nice. Like uh, 2023, the the reported details on it is the 2023 second round pick is top 46 protected. Uh, Given how young and good Denver is, you would assume that that converts. And then the 2027 pick is unprotected. So that's going to convert. And we've talked about it before. Those second round picks, what their value is, is the headline. You know what? It's honestly, when you talk about fungible, it's a little bit like Top Shop moments where no one actually cashes in on them, but they're trading them and selling them around. They don't often turn into something real, but they're they're nice. They're, they're great in the headline. And uh, there's definitely a value to that, um, especially when you look at 2023 and that potentially being a year where there might be the double draft, where that is when high schoolers can go directly to the NBA. If not, it's still, it's a nice asset to kind of have in your quiver there. Um, But you're right. I I do think that we should talk about some of the other guys that weren't dealt. Um, I I think that there was an appetite looking at my timeline for moving Jetty Osman. I would assume that there wasn't a lot of situations where there was positive value coming back. I do think that the Jetty conversation is going to get really interesting because now that the deadline has passed, we are past the point of showcasing guys and kind of roster decisions or rotation decisions that might be informed by the potential of a trade. Now that that is no longer the case, everything should be merit-based from here on out. And and I don't think, I know people want to go straight to the new and play Broderick Thomas, who I am infatuated with right now. Very, very intrigued to steal a line from Poppy. Yeah, uh, my interest is peaked, uh, as Larry David would say. But uh, Lamar Stevens, another guy, uh, finding minutes for these intriguing guys that the Cavs have found on the fringes that look like rotation players or that they could blossom into them. But at the same time, you want to be giving those guys the minutes as they earn it. And Jetty Osman, like he doesn't deserve to go hard to zero right away. And I, th- I think another thing people should keep in mind when it comes to Jetty is that his contract goes down each year. It's, uh, it decreases in value. And we are still a very long way away from the start of next season. Whatever the market is for him right now, I can't see it dramatically changing on draft night or, or throughout the offseason. So if the Cavs do draft a forward or one of these young guys blossoms into someone that deserves steady minutes in the rotation you're still going to have the flexibility to move on from him. And I, I think it's always best to take the cautious approach and wait. And you, you don't have to rush into a decision to move a guy just to move a guy because then down the road, fans are going to say, well, you, you moved him for nothing. We, we lost this asset for nothing. That's like, this, you, well, you this would be the definition of, this would be the definition of selling low. And, you know, reports were that the Cavs were, you know, look at looking and taking offers on Jetty, but you know, it's no surprise that people weren't calling. I mean, yeah. in the month of March, he's slashing 26% from the field, 20% from three uh, on 20% usage. Like, that's <laughs> it's tough. He's, 
he's having a really, really rough time right now. Um, you know, I think that an eagerness to get this team where it's going has kind of, uh, in concert with that, that kind of collapse on court mm-hmm. is really going to drive a lot of, uh, frustration and negative rhetoric around Jetty. Yeah. Um, but I do, I will say this, you know, in all fan, you know, I was hoping that they could find a trade, uh, and mm-hmm. see if they could, uh, bring, bring back some, some value if, if they were indeed shopping him, but you know, in plus trades are fun, but you know, he was really, really important for this team early on. I know his numbers have never slashed great this season, but there were times where he was really the only player who could shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he shot 37% on pretty good volume early in the season, and the jumper has just kind of abandoned him lately. And seeing players with more on-the-ball juice, um, you know, it, it's becoming very apparent. But the thing that you said is very accurate, which is if he's not earning the minutes, um, they are under no obligation to give them to him. Uh, you know, you're, you're not un, undistressing an asset by giving someone who minutes who isn't playing well. And, you know, we're seeing... JB do that. That's actually been one thing I've really liked about JB so far in his early tenure, which is pretty much if you're playing well, you get to be on the court. You know, yeah. I mean, Broderick Thomas, who was uh, mostly collecting DNP since he got signed at a really good stretch, got to play a good stretch of the fourth against Chicago, like mm-hmm. in competitive minutes. So, you know, I think people are going to have to earn it. I think Jetty's experience and vet nature uh, gives him the grandfathered in spot in the rotation. And, for anyone who wants to complain, you know, other players got to go be objectively better than him. Yeah. And they got to earn it. Uh, you know, uh, we, I think the cat, if I think if you gave the Cavs truth serum, they, they might suggest that they would love to slot Dylan Windler and all those minutes, but you know what? Dylan Windler is shooting maybe worse from three than Jetty in yeah. the last month. Yeah. Um, you know, well, like I, the, I think the only person in the NBA that is shooting worse on that volume that Jetty has, I, I think over five and a half threes, the only person shooting worse is Tyler Hero. Like, it's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's bubble crazy. Boy. But bubble boy, yeah, bubble, bubble boy, um, you know, so I don't know, man. It's I think that I think the backup wing minutes are going to be an adventure until the kids get a little bit more seasoning. Um, and frankly, they get healthy. I mean, I don't know when we're going to see Torian Prince back. He was someone who else was on the market and you know, this is just, it's just a bad bounce. He got hurt. And you know, I, I, I got every impression, you know, reading reports that this was someone who had some trade value and he was, his contract was supposed to be the tax for Jared Allen that they might've been able to maneuver more uh, cap room this offseason. Didn't work out that way. But if he gets healthy, then you have more and more uh, insurance policies. But you know, and, no, and even I, then, I just want to—I just want to reiterate: no one on the wing coming off this Cavs bench right now is playing particularly well. You know, right. and, and the and the bench players who are playing well, unfortunately, happen to play the same position. That's Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade, and they're both fours. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I I will push back a little bit because Isaac Okoro has been playing great lately. Like he he's trending in the right direction, and that's making me very pleased. I, I loved watching him shut down Zach Levine recently. But uh, among the kind of bench mob, yeah, th- this is going to turn into a, a hyper competitive environment. And one of the things that I would even suggest doing, like when it comes to Lamar Stevens and Broderick Thomas is, okay, we have slotted out a set amount of time in the rotation for one of you guys. 
alternate games. Like, have a guy say, all right, this is, Lamar, you're going to sit tonight unless we need you. This is going to be Broderick's game. Then do the same thing uh, in reverse for Stevens. Because I, I think one of the things when you're developing players, and I think this is actually part of some of Toronto's decision-making uh, when they move their guards uh, to open up minutes for Malachi Flynn, you it's a really tough to develop in a situation where if you make a mistake, you're looking over your shoulder thinking that you're going to get pulled. You start playing to stay on the court rather than playing your game. Now, Broderick Thomas, I, I don't think that that's a huge thing for him. But let's say Lamar Stevens, who has had kind of inconsistent minutes at times. If you have that confidence that this is your night where you're getting uh, you're getting some burn, you're, you're getting your opportunity, you're getting your looks, you have a little more confidence. You have a little more freedom to play within team basketball. And I, I think that that should be the number one priority is we want guys that can fit in with the core. And I, I honestly, I really sympathize uh, with the fans that will have the conversations about Jetty and have some frustrations there because what you end up experiencing is – you have way more tolerance for Lamar Stevens or Thomas or Dylan Windler to make mistakes. Totally. Be- because you uh, you have patience. You you are waiting for that upside with them. Uh, you, you haven't had as many ex- good and bad experiences with them. Whereas Jetty, he can have a better game overall or an overall more consistent impact. Not saying that's necessarily the case, um, but... When he has those um, mistakes and, and those moments where he really struggles, that frustration, like you have all that baggage you are carrying into that experience, and it just makes it that much more frustrating. So I don't think anyone's crazy for being frustrated and wanting to move on uh, because the boat's a boat and a mystery box can be anything. But at the end of the day, like these guys do need to earn their minutes. And I think having an environment where Jetty, Windler, Stevens, Thomas are all competing for those backup wing minutes, that's really good. That is a great environment for this young team because the goal should still be winning. The the goal should still be trying to win every single game. It's not easy to do with youth. You're going to have inconsistency. The schedule is an absolute nightmare. But at the same time, like that is that should be the goal because with the flattened lottery odds you have no guarantees Uh, and i am a very strong proponent of sticking with good karma stick with the good karma try to win because i i you you, karma has as much to do with this as your 14 percent chance of jumping to number one if you have the worst record like it's dumb luck at this point yeah i'm with you man i'm totally with you can i share some good news before i i gripe about something Ugh, yeah, go ahead. So good news. I just saw uh, Fedor just tweeted that Kevin Love practice today. Hey, good for him. So so here's hoping that, uh, you know, I, I'm i kind of just in this mindset where I'm like, he'll come back when he comes back, but we can't really much think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that gets me uh, a little hopeful that we're on the road. Um, time for gripes. Gripes. Let's hear it, Carter. It's, it's and I don't, know if this is an actual complaint as much of like process as much as just like it's a bummer Cavs backup point guard is going to be an adventure for the rest of the year Man. i think both of us were kind of hoping for the cavalry to come and it's not coming they're going to have to figure this out with internal resources or i mean maybe some free agents uh, depending on what they decide to do with quinn cook um but i don't think they're going to get you know we, there were times where we we were dreaming thomas Sat- sataransky dreams and 
that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. I mean, well, that's definitely not the case, but yeah, that that is a, a big bummer <laughs> you, for me. You don't need uh, to put a teams of, qualifier on there. No, no. Uh, I, I'm happy to report the Cavs didn't trade for Tomas Sadoransky. Uh, you know, I I'm just disappointed by that because it it's put such a strain on this offense and on Darius when he's really the only pure point on the team. I mean, even Quinn Cook, who is. Uh, been pretty capable in his minutes. Uh, he's just not a drive and kick kind of player. Um, yeah. You know, we're seeing a little bit of that from Broderick Thomas. Cross your fingers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just not really there right now. And I just think those minutes are going to stay being tough. So if they do have a prolonged injury to either one of Sexland, rut row, Raggy. Right. And part of my forecasting for the season is what's your margin for error? And when you don't have an established backup point guard, that makes things difficult. Like these guys are going to have bumps and bruises throughout the year. Um, like you finish one four game and six night stretch and you go right into another one. And if a guy has a minor injury like Sexton had uh, against Chicago, you're going to err on the side of caution because as much as you want to be competitive, you you're if you're serving your best interest and in staying competitive having Sexton sit out one game is a lot better than him trying to play through it and then missing a week or two because we, we've seen that so far this season I think from a playmaking standpoint you're right it is disappointing to see that there isn't a backup point guard that's a little more established that, that brings what they need to the table uh, I think you're hoping that you can make up for some of that as Larry Nance continues to get more comfortable. You can run some playmaking through him. Maybe Kevin Love, fingers crossed, if he, he gets healthy. Um, obviously, hoping that he can. Uh, it's heartbreaking for him. Like I, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again just because we do have a new audience today on YouTube. But, my God, the, the fact that he only missed seven games last season um, while this year they're more competitive than they've ever been and he's missing all this time and, and not playing at all, that's got to kill him. That, that's got to kill him. Like, anybody that thinks that he's sitting out on purpose is insane. Like, th this sucks for him. It sucks for the Cavs. But you know what? Other guys have stepped up. Um, Dean Wade has shown that he can be a valuable two-way player. Like, he, he's, he looks I like I am happy dude. every time Dean Wade is on the floor. Yeah. I am happy to see him. I, like even skeptics that uh, other fans that were skeptical of him, like I, I have conversations with them and they're like, yeah, like he is bringing two way impact and he has confidence to shoot. Like he is bringing the jetty confidence with consistent shooting. That is a very nice thing to have, especially at that position, especially when you look at the makeup of this roster, a stretch four like that really does bring a lot of value to the table. So um, overall, like you look at the net in and out for the Cavs this season, I'm pleased with it. Uh, we, we talked about expectations going into this trade deadline. I, I thought we were going to get one second for McGee, and I was holding out hope that we'd get a second for Drummond. Turns out we got two seconds for McGee and nothing for Drummond. He's likely going to go to a contender. I think it's going to work out well for them. He's a very good basketball player. The league is crazy, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, but overall, like, I'm very pleased. Like this roster already makes more sense than it did at the start of the season. In my opinion, um, we got a whole lot younger here at the deadline and you know what? Like there's still a lot of time, as I said, between now and next season, this team's still overachieving compared to expectations. And when I look at next year, I'm, I'm feeling confident, man. I, I think that they can pull this together and get a better sense of what finishing touches are needed 
if you're going to be a much a, a playoff team with a much larger margin for error. Because I, I think this season, when everything is clicking, they are, they were good enough to be in that mix. They were good enough to be where the Knicks are right now. But their margin for error was just a little bit slighter. They had a lot of injuries, uh, positions wiped out, a million other qualifiers that we've talked about and everyone's familiar with. But I, I really love the direction that this team's heading in the future because the young core gives me so much hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, I think some people are a little disappointed that the returns weren't better. But yeah, uh, as we've said, like I'm one know, of them. I, like I'm one of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I'm blaming the league much more than I'm blaming the Cavs. I I don't think they should have had to take on bad salary to trade Andre Drummond for a second freaking round pick. But with that said, you know. People want to dog second round picks. I get it. Um, but the Cavs traded four second rounders to trade into the first round like a year can, and a half ago. Can I ago. go off? Can I go off a go, little bit? Go go off, King. I, I want to blame Masai Ujiri. Uh, not Masai. Pat Riley. Riles, what are you doing, man? I I think the best chance that they had, and uh, Fedor had reported this as well, the best chance to move Drummond was likely in a three-team deal. Toronto was a team that had interest. If Miami was sending young guys to Toronto, that's not a lot of salary. My mind and my gears were turning that, oh, man, they would be a third team in a Miami-Toronto-Lowry trade. And Riles just did not want to pay the price and instead traded for Oladipo. It, it, man, if you're Houston, you got to be kicking yourself right now. The The fact that your return for James Harden is a few future picks, a couple pick swaps, one of them with Miami, which uh, our friend uh, Mason Ginsburg pointed out, one of the funniest things ever is a team that just lost 20 games trading a pick swap next year with a team that just made the NBA Finals. That pick is not going to swap. That's not going to convert, and that's your return. Your return for James Harden was Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley. The Cavs got a better return in the James Harden trade than Houston did. Uh, Allen's in Cleveland, Levert's in Indy. I don't understand what's going on there. So I, I like to look at those. I that... think they're saving. I think they're saving Tillman a lot of money. So, you know, that's good. You know, that, that is good. That's nice. You did, did you see the report that they weren't that John Wall, they have not, uh, there's no expectation of a buyout for John Wall. I was like, I'd hope not. He's owed <laughs> $200 million. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of uh quiche to drop in uh, one gonna year. Give, what is he going to give back? Like the GDP of a small, like Eastern <laughs> European country, <laughs> the GDP of Canada. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's transition to some of the the moves around the league because uh, obviously Gav's kind of locked in place now. Uh, we're still waiting on confirmation of the McGee trade. I, I would assume that by the time that this podcast is posted, uh, for those that are listening via podcast, uh, that deal will be completed. Then, fingers crossed. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me was the Aaron Gordon trade to Denver. Like it, that in concert with adding Javale McGee. I just love it. I, I love when a market like Denver goes in, and Aaron Gordon really fills a lot of holes. He fills the holes that Jeremy Grant left, while Michael Porter Jr. has also stepped up in that position as well. So I, I think that they have a real shot. You, you look at the Lakers, uh, four to six weeks for LeBron, Anthony Davis, big question mark there. Uh, the Clippers gave up two second-round picks to get worse with Rajon Rondo uh, and giving up Lou Williams. I, I don't understand that for them at all. I, I like Denver's chances. I, I think that they have a puncher's chance to make the finals. 
Yeah, and you know, I think there are a lot of Aaron Gordon skeptics out there, and I get it. His metrics are not good. He never slashes a good number. Um, is a little too in love with the parts of his game that aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not. He, you know, he loves a step back jumper. You know, uh, he's that kind of player. He wants to be more than what he is. The reason I've been so interested in him to Denver this whole time is Jokic is kind of like LeBron. Uh, on offense in the sense that you kind of got to get with the program. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't just do your own thing. And it just happens. It just so happens that everything we've wanted Aaron Gordon to be is a good secondary playmaker. He's pretty good at that. He averages like four assists a game. Uh, We wanted him to be a killer off ball cutter and really use that athleticism that we know he has. Oh, well here's the best player in the league to play next to. Mm -hmm. Um, we want him to take, uh, you know, less bad threes, more good threes. Oh, Jokic generates five thousand of those. Um, you know, there's just it's just a perfect fit, and we wanted him to be an elite defender, which he can be on occasion. I mean, he's got the physical frame, he's got the foot speed, he can do it. Um, you know, I think that in, this role fits him just right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think what if you're if you're Denver. I think it would be fair to expect more of him than they got out of Jeremy Grant. Now, I, I think the Jeremy Grant conversation has been a little warped because of the fact that he's gone crazy in Detroit with numbers no one saw coming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the version of Jeremy Grant in Detroit was like good 3 and D, switchy 4. Right. That was kind of his vibe. That didn't rebound at all. Um, I would expect Aaron Gordon to be a little bit more versatile offensively. Um and maybe a little bit more stout individually on defense. I don't think he's the team defender Jeremy Grant is, but I've always felt Jeremy Grant was a little overrated as a lockdown guy. So, you know, I I think this is a great move for them. I I really like it. I think, you know, we're going to see exactly what Aaron Gordon can be. I guess Mm -hmm. that's the point, you know. If if it doesn't work here, then I think we kind of know who he is, and he's more going to enter that Rudy Gay, uh, you know, mid-2010s. Mm-hmm. Uh, range where it's like, yeah, he's just not a winner. And that's fine. Puts up numbers, not a winner. Um, but I, I'm I, I'm with Denver in taking the bet that he could be more than that. Yeah, and, and that was actually one of those win-win trades. Like, I actually like the return for Orlando as well. Um, obviously, like, they invested so much, so much draft capital in the front court that they, they kind of had to break it up a little bit. They're obviously betting on uh, Jonathan Isaac. Um, Mo Bamba is going to have a more significant role um, but but getting R.J. Hampton in there, I, I like his fit with Fultz. Once Fultz comes back next season, um, it's it's good. But at the same time, like for the draft people that advocate for tanking, there is now four teams that no matter what the Cavs do, like they're not going to go that direction. This is a team that prioritizes winning and trying to build uh, a culture and accountability and all that stuff, which is incredibly important. I'm not one for the tank, but there are four teams right now that no matter what you do, you're not going to be worse than them. That's the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, the Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, and the Houston Rockets. Those teams are going to stink for the rest of the year. And as much as I complain about the lottery odds, I still think that they're messed up. I I don't like this new format. This is going to be a position where it actually benefits the Cavs because they're going to probably be in that back half of the lottery. They still probably will have, just looking at the odds, you're still probably going to have about a 40% chance of jumping into the top four. 
worst record in the league gives you a 52% chance of staying there. So, uh, I, I and this is, uh, and this is why I think we're so intellectually honest, Justin, is mm. that we still think the odds change was stupid, even if it benefits us. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to benefit us. And you know what? It's good karma. Again, we're, we're going to be competitive. We haven't jumped up in three years. I know that's going to drive anyone listening. That, that's not a cast fan. Absolutely insane, but unlucky, unlucky in the draft. That, that's what's going on right here. Uh, so that's uh, Orlando and Denver covered. Uh, the only other thing that I found super interesting uh, was Vuz. Man, now I sound like Kendrick Perkins. Did, yeah. did you see that? Hey, hey Kendrick. Yeah, we saw Vucci Main. Vucci Main to uh, Chicago. I, I think that puts Chicago firmly into the playoff hunt. Um, I, 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 re- I do not get this move, my friend. You don't? Do you like it? Like, I like it for this season for Chicago. I don't think about long term team building stuff too often for a team like Chicago, but. Um, I, just, I just feel like Chicago has spent. So many years, so they were, you know, they had a stretch where they were a legit East contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it, they slowly fell to this middle to lower middle class and they got stuck there. So they moved on from Jimmy Butler and said, you know, we're not going to be a middle class team in Chicago. We're going to aim for more. So they tear it down to the studs. They draft for like three years and then with this core, which is currently lower middle class, they trade for a guy who, uh, they trade two first round picks. I believe one of which is unprotected Mm -hmm. for a guy who will lock them into the middle class with their core. Unless they're, they're one young, uh, hopeful stud. Patrick Williams takes a big leap. And I just don't, I don't see the point. Like, I mean, I guess they're just desperate to get back into the postseason. Um, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. has been a huge disappointment. I think we've been, we, everyone was waiting for that light bulb to go off and the Bulls ran out of patience. Um, it's really funny. I, I think they'll be better, but like, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't think this is, here's my thing, Justin. Mm-hmm. So like, we've talked a lot about how we kind of turn our noses up at the kind of people who don't see value in winning more games. Yeah. I don't think that's what I'm doing here though, because I think that, when you look at the success stories, the Miamis, uh, actually, maybe not Miami. They they, they were a little uh, fluky because they're such a glamour market and how they were able to pick up Jimmy. But you look at like Toronto, it, it's a matter of developing internally and giving yourself room to cash in. Yeah. And I don't see how the Bulls can do that now. Like, I mean, sure. Like, I guess first round picks, you can just go out to 2035 at this point if you really want someone. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get where this is supposed to take them other than back to the middle class of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And obviously um, you're kind of hoping that Kobe White uh, progresses as well. Um, He's kind of been okay this season, but hasn't taken like the Garland leap uh, that that we've seen. Uh, I I think you raise a good point. Um, They're just... I think they're probably hoping that if they become more competitive, that Chicago can become a bit of a glamour market. I just don't know if it's that kind of, I just don't know if that's how that works. I, yeah, you know what? I I think your concerns are very valid. It's not something that I've internalized. Like I'm just thinking this. I mean, I think it's, I think it'll be fun, I guess. Especially when they don't want to pay Laurie Markkinen reportedly that. Yeah. So they're just cashing out. Like they're just like, this is their core now. It's Levine and, 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 
Vooch and maybe Pat Williams will take a leap. Kobe White has been disappointing mm-hmm. um, relative to expectations. Um, you know what? I, here's a good example. Uh, and this was actually pointed out in our Discord. So shout out to Chase Down Discord. Um, but one of the things, like going into the Sexton draft, everyone said this is a seven-player draft. And Cavs really cra- you're out of luck picking eighth because there's only seven players in that draft. You got Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter Jr., and Mo Bamba that all did not pan out. And like as much as drafting and scouting, I think, has improved and the overall talent coming in has improved, player development and chance is still such a big factor. Like We don't know everything. Everyone progresses at different stages. And to say a draft is a three-player draft or a seven-player draft, whatever the case may be. It's just not accurate. Like, look at the look at the top guys in this draft. Like, Sexton has moved his way up there. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has moved his way up there. Like, those two have blossomed more than a lot of the guys picked ahead of them. And, like, it's, it's just, it's not a science. It's not a science. No, it's not. Um, and, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's a fine team. And they're going to be harder to beat than they were yesterday. Um and maybe they maybe maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe maybe Levine's got another leap in him, and it makes they, the playing spot harder. It makes the playing spot harder. Certainly the makes the playing spot harder. Yeah. And you know, I I am less hopeful that this team can find their way into the top eight um, after the play in than I was, uh, you know, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I don't know if. I, th- I think the the world is going to take care of that for them, you know. I yeah, think Toronto, I, I think that should. I think that should still and, be. And the I goal. think Toronto holding on to Lowry, yeah, that should still be the goal. But I, I think Toronto holding on to Lowry, uh, which I think was the right move, by the way. Um, I don't know if you do, hmm. um, but with with them holding on to Lowry and the Bulls leveling up and the Pacers starting to get healthy, though they just lost T.J. Warren for the season, which is obviously unfortunate. Even the Wizards starting to kind of find their way a little bit. Um, you know, I just think it's going to be too tough to get into those, that that spot. Yeah, yeah. Like Wizards, Toronto, Chicago, like the, those teams are, are going to be there. Maybe the Knicks fall out. Um, I thought like and again, you got Indy goal. and Chicago. You got Indy right there at nine. Like that's yeah. a that's a team with legitimate pedigree. Yeah, and, and I think you can make a case that Toronto didn't get much worse. Like Gary Trent Jr. is a better defensive player than Norman Powell. Uh, 15 points. That was a weird move, man. What is Neil O'Shea doing? I I, I have no idea. Like you trade a 22 year old for a guy that's considerably older and not a whole lot better. Um, Get off. That you're going to have to bet that wants big, big, big money and isn't restricted. You know, with Gary Trent Jr., at least you could say he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. Right, and, and I would assume like Toronto now you you add that to the mix with their their young guys and like that works out great for them. Like they, he slots in perfectly. He can take over that norm role. Uh, Rodney Hood, uh, I think playing him over someone like Terrence Davis or Matt Thomas that they, they gave up to kind of clear up the roster space like that makes you better. A bit better. What's that? Did they just get better? Not they, not they might just not worse. They they might have like I. I Obviously, we're we're familiar with Rodney Hood. We are, we know his work. We we know his signature. Yes, and that is inconsistent production. But at the same time, it's not like you're getting that from Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas. So, um, and that's a good team for him to go to, right? Like a lot of infrastructure, kind of like Portland, really, uh, where he did pretty well before they signed with that deal and before he got hurt. So yeah, I don't know, man. I I think they got better. Uh, I think that they're they're going to have some good juju. Yeah. After keeping Lowry, like. We yeah. thought our season was going to be kind of over, and now it's not. Let's go get into the playoffs and see if we can 
uh, shock somebody. Yep. Um, yep. The plane yeah, got plane got tar- way tougher. harder. Cavs added some assets, uh, added an interesting young pro- uh, prospect in Hardenstein. It's kind of funny that the Cavs got more for JaVale McGee than the Magic did for Fournier. Like, I did not yeah. see that one coming. Like, that, yeah, that's pretty, re- pretty odd. Weird, but you know what? I'll take it. I'm not, I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> so, nope. I, I'm interested to see that experience. Uh, we have a lot of clarity uh, where this team's at. And you know what this also means, Carter? One last thing before we wrap this up. There, there's a very, very important thing now that the trade deadline has come and gone. Do I, tell. I can start my 2K campaign. because now. Oh, like, wow. That's actually an excellent point. Because I've been, you know, when, you, when you're dicking around on 2K with the Cavs and you're just sitting there, you feel like you're doing fan fiction. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to go too far. Now I can play out the rest of this season. Like you do the uh, generate a trade. Maybe that's what gives people an unrealistic expectation of what Andre Drummond's market is, is the fine trade button. You know what? Maybe the fine trade has done more to damage NBA discourse than just about anything. <laughs> no kidding, man. Because they, they still have not figured out that trade logic one bit, my friend. And you just abuse, you just abuse it. Hey, hey, hey! No, I abuse the uh, the the prorated stats. The, the prorated stats, yeah, yeah. Which Garland is now catching up to very quickly. Uh, let, let oh, that's I, nice. Is he going to put be putting up thirty and twenty pretty soon? No, no, thirty-five and twenty yet. But you know what? We're building our way up. Those those numbers as a starter are getting better by the day, Carter. And you know what? We're going to get better by the day too. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That That's the goal. Thank you so much to everybody listening in on YouTube Live. Again, massive shout out to the Chase Down stream team. Uh, we will be broadcasting as many of these as we can live. I'm really looking forward to continuing on this platform. Really, really excited. And for everyone listening on the podcast, we really appreciate your support as well. No matter where you're listening to us, you can support us by subscribing, leaving a rating, leaving a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down exclusive discord chat you can do so by leaving a screenshot of your review to chase at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go cats <laughs>